freedom and censorship can't exist in the same world. And that's true whether it's the government or private corporations who do the censoring. Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, and welcome to the Coleman Nation podcast. It's a show where I sit down with guests to discuss the future of free expression and thought in our interconnected world. Here, we will focus on issues involving social media, cancel culture, and free expression that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Hello from us on a sunny, sunny day after Election Day when we're recording this here in Coleman Nation. No, not in culmination, here with culmination, culmination of something and hopefully beginning of something new. I've got Seth Dillon today. You know who Seth Dillon is, right? The Babylon Bee. The owner of the Babylon Bee, he's going to tell me what he does besides own it. I got a feeling it's something more than just own it, or else I wouldn't be that interested in talking to him, frankly. <laughs> Seth, where are you? I am in sunny South Florida right now. Um, oh. North of Palm Beach, like 20 minutes in the Jupiter area. And that's where you usually are, right? That's where the that's where it, that's where it all happens. Not all of it. Um, this is kind <laughs> of our corporate headquarters. We we run the business out of here, but then the uh, bulk of the creative team is out in our California office. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You bought the B, right? You were you weren't one of the founders. Not a founder. No, Adam Ford is the founder. He he created it in 2016. I took it over in early 2018. So um, he he was running it for the first two years. I've been running it since. You're having fun with it, <laughs> man. It's uh it's the most fun thing I do. I'll tell you that. I it it's you know who who gets to spend their day every day looking at the headlines and thinking how can I how can I find a way to exaggerate this to make a point and have fun with it, make people laugh, but also make them think. Um, it well, doesn't else, feel it doesn't feel on. like work. What else do you do? For the B specifically? No, you said it's the most fun you do. Do you do you do you have a portfolio of, of businesses that you manage and run or Yeah, I have a portfolio of businesses that I've uh either invested in um or started, acquired, sold. Uh we've been doing that for years. My brother and I went into business together back in 2012. So um we've been internet entrepreneurs for nearly a decade at this point. Um, so yeah, we have some apps. Um, uh, we have one right now that we're working on developing that's called, uh, well, it's out there in the market now. We're just continuing to grow it and refine it, but it's called thinker, uh, without the E think R. Um, and it, it provides key insights from nonfiction books. It's similar to Blinkist, which you may have heard of. It's a pretty popular, uh, pretty popular app, but sure. we're promoting that one as like an alternative to it that has, you know, uh, uh, conservative and Christian thought on it, not just secular progressive stuff. Um, so it's, it's got a wide range of views, but it includes the things that the secular apps tend to want to exclude. Um, so, so it's a, that, that's a fun project too. So, um, very different approach to speaking the truth into the culture, but, um, you know, it's just one of many things that we're currently working on besides the B. Well, you and I met briefly a few months ago at a very, enjoyable conversation. Mm -hmm. But I mentioned to Jeremy before we before you came on, neither one of us was rolling on the floor in laughter. Right. Um, you're, I would say, <laughs> Seth Dillon is not necessarily a real funny guy. Are you? <laughs> Am I just missing it? Uh, well, okay, it depends on the context. Um, you know, I give I, I give talks all the time. Um, uh, 
to audiences about the bee, what we're doing, the kinds of stuff that we're doing. And you know, the, 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 material, the material is is designed to be presented as satirical stories, right? These are, these are the joke is in the headline and the accompanying image. Um, it's not like stand-up comedy, right? right. You know, our, right. Writers, our writers aren't stand-up comedians. Um, it's, it is a different kind of humor. It's a different kind of humor. It's a written humor. I'm I'm a funny writer, uh, much more so than a funny person when you when you meet me. But <laughs> I, but yeah. but I can get the audience laughing when I'm showing them our headlines on the screen and uh, and making jokes off the back of them. So and, and you're um, still contributing content. When I say still, maybe maybe you never did until this week. I, how how much content do you yourself contribute to uh, as a percentage? Less now than I did when I first got involved, just because so many other things have been drawing on my time and attention. And we have more staff now. We have, we've hired a lot more writers. Uh, there's more creative minds contributing and less need for me to. But um, I pitch headline ideas regularly, um, have published a ton of them myself on the site. So I'm a contributing writer, but I don't write the articles. Um, and I'm not doing that anywhere near as much as I used to. But you I love to be involved meetings? in it, in all of our marketing material, any of the marketing materials that we're putting out, you know, from emails to um, posts on social media promoting our books or shirts or whatever. I handle most of the marketing stuff, the marketing wow. copy. It's actually hard to find people who can write marketing copy in our voice. And our writers are all busy writing the articles. So uh, I take that on myself. It's interesting to me because I've noticed that clicking through, I've said I, they're, they're trying something here that is unusual. You know, I actually think used to succeed at that was the old National Lampoon. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, during during their glory years, and I, I, you know, my mother's milk was Mad Magazine. And then I graduated to the National Lampoon and then sort of watched it crack up. Right. After Animal House and then watched the guys from Animal House crack up. I mean, that was actually right. kind of a sad thing to see also. But I've always been drawn to parody, maybe because I'm a skeptic or a troublemaker. Uh, and Everyone loved the onion until it started. What? I guess the word would be sucking. <laughs> what did you guys do when you looked at, you know, well, not why you, you, you didn't found it, but so by the time you came to the Babylon Bee, though, obviously the vision of being a non sucky onion had already, you know, been established. How did you understand what went wrong? And I do think something went really wrong with the onion. Well, it's a number of things. So the onions changed ownership a number of times. Um, that could play a role in it. You know, if there's if there's a a change in vision, a change in voice, a change in staff, um, that can have something to do with it. I think that humor is most effective when it is tethered to the truth and it's riding on the back of the truth. And and I think that you know the left looks at our comedy. And they don't think we're funny at all because they think we're totally divorced from reality. They think these jokes are all coming from our own little fantastical world that we're living in. We see reality very differently than them. You know, they think their jokes are funny because they think they're attached to reality. And we would say the same thing about ours. So why can't um, they meme? Why can't they? I mean, do they think they can meme? Because <laughs> you don't see really super popular memes. No. And they suck. So there's something that's shifted with the, it's not just the onion in particular, but there's something that's shifted with the left where they've gone um, from just trying to be funny. You know, the main thing that comedian or a satirist should be thinking to himself when he's writing something is, um, well, well, first of all, you know, what's the point I'm trying to make, but, but really primarily is, uh, is it funny? Is it funny? 
And, and, and the left doesn't really care as much about whether it's funny as whether or not it's, you know, uh, it's got the right moral message. And so that's why you end up with these like late night comedians preaching at you about like gun control or something rather than just making you laugh and making you forget about those types of issues. You know, they just, they just keep harping on them. So some of it is, you know, the political nature of the comedy, the comedy is getting too political. It's getting too preachy. Um, and it also is in many cases, just getting too divorced from reality. You know, some of the top shared articles uh, from the onion, I've, I've, I've looked into this, some of their top shared articles over the past year or two or few years um, are ones that are based on stories that turned out to be false. They were like fact checked and they turned out to be false, but, but they made jokes off the back of that as if it was true. And of course their audience wanted it to be true. Um, but it perfectly illustrates it's, it's all projection with the left. That's what they accuse us of is, is making jokes on the back of a narrative rather than the truth. Well, so now you've hit upon something which was the genesis of our earlier conversation, and that is the concept of fact checking and the collision of worlds between the world of a satire site or publication and the left, the corporate news, as Michael Malice calls it. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you remind me, I mean, I, don't, I did a little bit of homework, so I didn't forget, but those who are watching this, you guys had an issue with the New York Times that I think basically got cleared up. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, do you mind us talking about it? Because- Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, well, what, what happened, there's been a few things at the New York Times. The New York Times um, had reached out to us at one point to do a profile piece on us. They came to our offices, they interviewed us, they talked with us. They treated us respectfully and and basically, you know, covered us as an alternative to the onion, just a conservative version of the onion that's that's doing satire. Um, and you know, they were trying to get it get inside our heads and figure out, you know, what what our goals are, what our what our inspiration is, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, fine, that was all great. But then uh, afterwards, later on, there was this technology writer Kevin Roos uh, writing for the New York Times who uh, who wanted to figure out, are we are we misusing the label satire so that we can mislead people on purpose? Is that what we're trying to do here? Or are we really satirists? And instead of asking us these questions, he interviewed the woman who wrote that piece about us. And it was kind of like this open question, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, that's what they're accused of. There's been some controversy. So many people believe their stories are true. You know, they of course deny that they're trying to mislead anybody. Um, and so, you know, he concludes this whole thing. He, he's, he's doing this interview where he's very skeptical and cynical about, you know, about us and our motives, basically saying, well, you know, so they don't spread disinformation on purpose, but they're not exactly trying to keep people from believing their stories are true. And she's like, that sounds about right. Well, it's just, you know, it's, so I mean, there's turned her into a spokesman for you. Yes. Turned her, the New York Times interviewed itself about us uh, to, to get inside our heads to figure out what our motives are. But this is actually perfect because. But because that wasn't the worst thing they did, by the way. That's I was all CNN up to does. That, go ahead. All CNN does. Don't worry. I, I, I'm not going to let the narrative drop. But <laughs> all CNN does is interview journalists about what they think is going on. Yeah. And yeah. what people dog whistles that people really mean when they say a they really mean b when they say right, c, they right. Really mean b. so here this rather than pick up the phone and talk to you because you're so hard to reach for when you're in the new york <laughs> times they figured listen we've we we muddied our hands with that enough we'll ask the, the the reporter who we sent over there 
And ultimately, that's what you get. Okay, they have so no next. interest in hearing what we actually think because they that doesn't fit their narrative. They want to make they want to they want to guess at what's in our in our heads and what our motives are, uh, and and uh, imply to their readers that they've got it figured out. Um, so yeah, that's what was happening there. It was bizarre. To, uh, when I was reading it, I'm like, why in the world did they interview her about what's the intentions of our hearts? You know, like what what does she have to say about that? Um, and so you know they fast forward from there a little bit and they wrote a piece about some other satirists who had been you know dinged on facebook a couple times because of fact checks and in the middle of that story they bring up the babylon b as an example of uh, a quote far-right misinformation site that sometimes traffics in misinformation under the guise of satire and they hyperlinked those words traffics and misinformation they hyperlinked them back to the other piece that this woman had written about us, which didn't make that claim, by the way, that piece never said anything about misinformation or how we were trafficking in it. So they wanted to have step by step, a narrative yeah. by shade or, or shade by shade. Yeah, they start out with a more or less straightforward interview of you, which is, which is already going to be shaded because it's, it's the reporter's choices about how to present it. Then they were then they changed the shade, a couple of clicks by Asking the reporter what she really thought you you meant. Yeah, yeah, and, this and then is they where, you exchanged know, a couple more clicks by hyperlinking it to words that are inapposite, inappropriate to right. what was said in the second article. Brilliant. Oh, Brilliant. yeah. The source they linked to refuted the claim that they were making. It didn't support it. Um, and this is really the the irony, uh, the great irony, the comical irony. I try to see the comedy in it. The comical irony is that they were using misinformation to smear us as being a source of misinformation. Right? They are doing that which they're accusing us of. We just tell jokes. They're out there telling lies about how, why we're telling jokes so that they can, you know, discredit us. And, you know, it all goes back to when, when people ask, you know, well, why? Why in the world would the New York Times lie about you? Why would anybody try to mischaracterize you? And I mean, I think the answer to that is abundantly clear. What in the, what, what does Facebook and Twitter, what, what do they care about more than anything else on their platforms lately? It's the spread of misinformation, right? You had, Trump get elected because of the spread of misinformation. You have, there's not enough people vaccinated because of the spread of misinformation. Um, they are ultimately and chiefly concerned with stopping the spread of misinformation. So um, if you wanna shut somebody up and get them taken off of social networks, accuse them of spreading misinformation, right? That's the way to do it. If you can pin them with that and get that to stick to them, then you can get them off the social network. So uh, to us, it seems like a, a clear tactic. There's really no other reason to do it um, you know, the appropriate response to our jokes, if you don't like them and you don't think they're funny, is to just not laugh and to move on and do something else. There's obviously something nefarious at play if you're going beyond that to try to discredit us and, and get us deplatformed. So that's been one of the, the things that we've been dealing with. And it, it was ultimately resolved, like you alluded to. Uh, we, we did send them a demand letter and say, look, you guys need to uh, retract this or we're going to have to sue you for, for defamation. And they did. Five days later, they took it down. That was pretty good. I mean, usually I like it better if it goes one step later. So it, because I sent them a letter, not because you sent them a letter, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact is, have you had, not the fact is, have you had any other run in, have you had any runs with Twitter itself? Because here's the Times sort of acting as a proxy for the hive. Mm -hmm. Have you had any trouble? I, I think I remember some kind of issue. Was it YouTube? Was it, was it Facebook? last year or in the last year 
we've had a couple oh well, in the last year we've had twitter suspended our uh account um and then said it was a mistake we got caught up in some they were trying to like delete spam accounts and ours got caught up in that they said um so we got taken out for that um mailchimp suspended our email service because we were spreading misinformation um, here's some non-misinformation mailchimp is incredibly censorious and if anyone listening to this is still using mailchimp you better move it over your, your, your mailing list fast because they're going to catch up to you if you're mm -hmm. watching this you're not their kind of person right right yeah they are very uh well and they even they updated their terms to say that they can basically suspend you for any reason um uh based on you know if, if they disagree with the, the your content your messaging um so they don't have they are not committed to like free speech where politically um motivated views are just allowed on their platform and there's just certain things extreme things you can't say like you can't threaten someone's life or you can't you know uh say something that's you know objectively offensive or um you know lewd or something like that yeah um they are leaving it open to if we don't like what you say we can take you down so so that is a problem um and uh and so we've had those issues youtube we haven't had too many issues with but facebook has just been one thing after another with them you know uh saying that we're inciting violence or or they'll just ditch our content altogether we've had some posts that just don't get showed to anybody like nobody sees them and we have a million followers um and they've threatened us with demonetization deplatforming quite a few times so it's just it's this ongoing thing and it really doesn't affect the other side at all you know we mentioned the onion as being kind of like on the other side of of, of the fence on on the politics and, and doing satire like us they don't have any of these issues ever even the fact checking they do get fact checked that's the one thing that also happens to them that happens to us but it happens in a very different way if you read the the, the fact checks of the onion it's it's always worded in such a way where it's like oh well this came from the onion the funniest satire site in the world you should laugh at it, it don't <laughs> don't believe it it's the onion you know so it's handled a little differently no one's questioning their motives when people believe the onion stories are true and that's very telling and it's not very surprising it is it, I, it does seem though that notwithstanding these blips that you've by by keeping it satirical you're kind of weathering the storm of censorship and you know shadow banning and whatnot even you know even as frustrating as these things are you're still in the game because you are saying right out there i'm we're making we're, we're making jokes right yes we are but at the same time there is stuff happening behind the scenes that we can't really pin down or address um facebook throttling our reach is a really good example they have not deplatformed us they have not taken down our page and permanently suspended us but what they have done is limited our reach so much that we we only reach a fraction of the people that we used to reach when our audience was much smaller than it currently is so and that's continuing to decline over time so that is still very concerning to us it is you know one of the main ways that we drive revenue and uh and keep our business going is by driving traffic and the way we drive traffic is by engaging people on social media and getting them to click through to our site so that is a it is still a very big issue for us and while we are still around um i think it's it's you know it's it's a little scarier when you don't know what's going behind on behind the scenes and there's no explanation of it uh and they're able to throttle you like that because then they can say out one side of their mouth oh yeah we haven't taken you down look you're still there but then in, behind the scenes you know they're, they're doing this shady stuff where they're tweaking things and what we're what we're concerned is happening there is that we're caught up in this like news quality score system that they've rolled out where they rate publishers based on 
um, the reliability of what they're putting out there. We get fact-checked all the time. So I ask, I'm like, are you guys giving us a low quality score rating because we have unreliable information because we get fact-checked? Because we shouldn't be in that system. We are satire. We are not a news publisher. We're not making factual claims. So why are we caught up in that system? Um, and they deny that, you know, they're doing anything to us. They'll say, you know, your page has no violations. And I'm like, well, that's not really what we asked. Um, and so we go back and forth on it. But ultimately, they do define new. They did say this. They said, I can't tell you who's in that program, but I can tell you that we define news broadly to the point where we consider news anything that may impact the news ecosystem. And I'm, when I think of like that definition, I, it's like, well, that's literally anything published by anyone. I mean, if you have any audience at all, then whatever you say could potentially impact the news ecosystem. And by the way, they call it a news feed. When you're scrolling on Facebook, you're scrolling a news feed. Presumably, if it's a news feed, everything in it is news, right? So I think they treat everybody as a news publisher. And, uh, and you know, if, you, if you're getting fact-checked and people are sharing your stuff thinking it's real when it's not because you're satire, then, uh, you know, they penalize you for that. And, and the fact that they're not transparent about that is a problem. Um, and ultimately, I'm not exactly sure what the solution to that is, but I certainly don't think that they should be enjoying uh, the immunity that they're enjoying from um, Section 230 Shield while engaging in politically motivated viewpoint discrimination. Well, and not only is, not only is the Section 230 Shield, but also it's the antitrust shield. If right. they if there were another Facebook, if there were an Avis to their hurts, they couldn't and wouldn't do what they're doing because they would be depriving themselves of revenue, and that would matter to them. Right, but there are no alternatives, and and these and these other platforms that are popping up all over the place, you can't even keep up with them. All these, you know, conservative alternatives that are popping up, um, they're not alternatives. They're not alternatives for a number of reasons. Um, they're not as integrated. They're not being used by the government to reach the public and all these celebrities. Um, they're not. They're not hosting the broader discourse that includes both people on the left and on the right and in the middle. They're just simply conservative social networks. And there's a time and a place for a conservative social network, but a conservative social network is not an alternative to a Facebook, which is not by any means just a conservative social network. Agreed. Uh, I, that's why we're still here. That's why I, mm -hmm. you know, that, here, because I'm, why do I say here? Because this is going to be on, I haven't been kicked off anything and it's going to be on all the things. Right. Now, in our remaining minutes, one of the other remarkable things about the Babylon Bee is that it's clean. Can't say that about the onion. Mm -hmm. Not that it's, the onion is dripping with disgustingness, but a good percentage of their stuff is certainly not family, family friendly. Not that I have looked at it in much of a long time. You are a Christian. Do you think that that it makes you more of a target than you than the Babylon Bee otherwise would be? The, the fact that you are not only a conservative, but a religious conservative? I think so. Um, I mean, look, Christians have been a target in our media culture for a long time. Look at, go back and watch old episodes of The Simpsons and how the Christian characters are portrayed. You know, um, the pastor is just a sleazy uh, jerk. Um, you know, Ned Flanders is religious, but he's also, you know, blind faith and irrational and stupid and gullible and uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of mockery and, and ridicule directed at Christians. Um, the fact that we're kind of turning that around and, and ridiculing things ourselves, uh, I think it irks people. Sure. Um, and it probably does 
play into the fact that we're criticized more more than if we were just a conservative platform for sure i think and it also gives them it, this this funny line of attack that they do where they try to tell you what you know they try to tell you what jesus would do or or what the bible says and they try to tell you that your behavior is out of step with that like they've ever opened their bible and even looked to see what it might say well they did a google um, search you know for the verse they remember that there was a verse about a spinning wheel they remember that there was a verse about about a uh, about a, you know uh, an eye of a needle you know right. uh, and then they yeah. cut and paste and start riffing on it right right yeah jesus uh spent time amongst poor people therefore he must have been a socialist or something you know they and jumped to all these conclusions they're not studying the bible um but they are trying to cherry pick from it to try to to try to apply it to you to trip you up we get that a lot and we wouldn't get those lines of attack if we weren't coming at it from a from a Christian conservative perspective, and we're just coming at it from a politically conservative perspective. Um, so yeah, I think it draws more for sure. Do you th do you think uh, you're going to be able to stay funny in the coming years? Does that mm -hmm. ever bother you that you're going to maybe run <laughs> out of gas? Well, this is the thing. This I, I say this all the time. It's you know um, I, I quote G.K. Chesterton who said the world has become too absurd to be satirized, and I think that's really the primary challenge that we face right now as satirists. It's it's well, it's twofold, really. It's it's the censorship attacks. It's what's you what you see with Dave Chappelle, where they're telling him who he can and can't joke about. They're accusing him of punching down. They're accusing him of hate speech under the guise of satire. We're getting that too. Um, but it's also this, you know, this kind of unintentional way they're making satire and comedy more difficult is by by making reality crazy. You know, Tucker was just doing a segment the other night and he actually referenced us uh, in this segment where he was saying, uh, he quoted me as saying that the world's become too absurd, it's become a parody of itself. And he was talking about this story where, you know, Biden is entertaining this idea of paying $450,000 to illegal immigrants who are breaking our laws, like rewarding them for breaking our laws. Um, and he's like, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. And, and that is really the challenge right now. When you say, is it going to be easy to be, uh, can you continue to be funny into the future? I mean, that's really the thing that makes it the hardest is, is it, satire exaggerates the truth to make its points. It's tough to exaggerate what's going on. So well, that's I think the biggest I'm... challenge. The people trying to shut us up, look, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep saying the things we're not supposed to say, making the jokes we're not supposed to make, and and they're just gonna have to deal with it because we're not gonna silence ourselves. Well, what I've noticed in your content is that it's become drier and drier. I think that's the balance, is at as mm. the world gets gooier and gooier the humor gets drier and drier because you're, all you have to do is sort of stand back and remind people, here's what a frame looks like. Here are right angles. Right, right. Can I just, let me put these, let me put this in the frame because right. you just might not believe this. We do have a backup plan. We created not to be, which is this like uh, real news that's so crazy. It should be satire website. So it's, we're really just highlighting those stories that are absurd. That, that perfectly illustrate what I just said, that the world is becoming too absurd to be satirized. Um, when satire becomes too difficult to do, we'll just turn it off and run not the beat and just report the real news, the crazy stuff, because it will be just as funny and just as entertaining as the satire ever was. I think we're already there. Oh man. Well, I wanna thank you for taking the time to talk to us about it today. So far as I can tell, you're still funny. It's Stuff is finding its way into every medium, every platform. People do screenshots. People love the gags. I love the gags. I'm a humor guy. Like I said, I grew up on that stuff, that attitude. I, I even I got into a selective college by 
sending them copies of the underground satirical newspaper that I wrote for, nice. which my mother couldn't <laughs> believe I was doing that. And I said, Mom, I got to distinguish myself somehow. I'm not just, you know, there are lots of smart Jewish guys in suburban New Jersey. You know, they, they, they need to find a way, you know, it worked, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, it, 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 it's a great enterprise. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're still there and, and, and still actively engaged. Sounds like, sounds like, like, a, like, a, like you said, it, it, who would ever guess it? You could have fun, make some kind yeah. of a living, get to, get to riff on it. Who would have thought, you know, we're, we're just, we're blessed and, uh, and we're having a lot of fun. We're going to continue to do it. And ultimately, you know, the mission is to just keep ridiculing bad ideas. We ridicule bad ideas mercilessly. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a necessary thing in this time where these bad ideas are proliferating so much uh, and gaining a foothold and having such negative outcomes. Um, I think it's important that we, that we mock them and expose them for the absurdity that they are. Um, and, it, you know, it's very, I'm, I'm not making you laugh right now talking about it. Uh, it's easier to show you than tell you. So instead of making the jokes, just check out the website, um, check out our latest book, The Babylon Bee Guide to Wokeness. That's hysterical. It's mocking the whole woke enterprise and intersectionality and all that nonsense, critical race theory. So the deal, I'm um, going to order it right, off, right as soon as we finish. Well, I appreciate your and time. Not, today. And I'm not joking. Yeah. I, the, good, good, good. Tell me what you think <laughs> of it. I'd love to hear what you think of it. I will. Um, all right. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Great talking to you. Catch you later. All right. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.